This encore episode of Run Lift Mom is brought to you by Red H Nutrition. Red H Nutrition is a veteran-owned supplement company that makes products that are good for you, clean, and effective. You can go to runliftmompod.com/partners to see all of the partners, including Red H Nutrition. Don't forget to use code RUNLIFTMOM at checkout to save twenty percent. Welcome to the Run Lift Mom podcast, where we're talking about running, lifting, and momming, not necessarily in that order. Today, we're going to be squarely in the running and lifting categories. I have got Dr. Nora Wagner. Nora Wagner is a doctor of physical therapy and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. She has a dual practice for both physical therapy as well as strength and conditioning called PhysioLinks. Why strength? She loves it. Dr. Nora is a passionate health and fitness enthusiast, and she has a profound love of weightlifting. She was a former competitive Olympic weightlifter with USAW, and then she transitioned to coach, where she brought many athletes to a national platform. You guys, she's got years of experience in the weightlifting field, as well as as a CrossFit coach and Olympic weightlifting coach. She's been featured in WebMD, on TV and radio, and her friends jokingly call her the Kelly Starrett of the Midwest. I brought her on to discuss something you probably haven't thought of, and it's breathing. We're going to talk about breathing related to sport. And without further ado, here's Dr. Nora Wagner. All right. Welcome, Nora Wagner, to the Run Lift Mom podcast. How are you? I'm good, Susie. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. And I am so excited to nerd out with you today. I am so happy that you want me to nerd out with you today. (laughs) So I know that you're an expert on breathing specifically. So I want to see if you can just shed some light on what our breathing might be doing to our running or our lifting. My, My whole practice almost entirely focuses now on this whole concept of how do you, how does your breathing affect your daily lifestyle and sport? What, what I always like to start with is that everyone thinks that there's um, only one type of breathing style, right? It's like that classic yoga belly rise and then the chest rise, and then you exhale and your chest falls and your belly falls and that's it. The breathing's done. And it's so much more. There's so many different breathing styles that people have, and it's all based on your physiology your environment that you're in, your sport or things that are unique to you, your body can develop these these breathing patterns. And they're not necessarily wrong. It's just a matter of do they fit with your lifestyle? Do they fit with what you're trying to do? So a really great example of how someone's breathing could be a result of like a chronic injury or preventing them from doing just any sort of basic activity of their daily life is any sort of, of weightlifter or a type two athlete. So we're talking weightlifting, uh, bodybuilding, powerlifting, track and field, people that have to exert a lot of um, energy very quickly over a short period of time, or they have to absorb a lot of force or weight load. Their diaphragm is actually more involved in postural control and stability than it is breathing. So when you think about these weightlifters or you know, CrossFitters are a really great example where they go from moving heavy load to then doing something like a 400 meter run. And so what their diaphragm says is I'm used to bracing for stability. I'm not available for, for breathing. So that's when the chest will take over. And that's great 
except for the fact that the chest is only made for short bursts of activity. It's not made for long aerobic style exercise. And then you'll see these people prolong, try to do more cardio or try to get more cardiovascular fitness into their regime. And now they have chronic shoulder, neck pain, tension headaches, and they wonder why. Uh, they stop running, it gets better. They think it's gone. They go back to running and it comes right back. And it's usually because they've never really trained their diaphragm to be a aerobic muscle rather than a postural stability muscle. So, so that pain is showing up as a result of the weakness in the diaphragm. Exactly. So it's, it's, sometimes it's more so of like, I, I never like to call an athlete or I never like to call anybody weak, um, especially an athlete. Cause they're like, really? I'm weak. Okay. I actually like to say that the motor pattern is just not efficient for what they're trying to do. So the pain in, if your diaphragm is used to bracing for a one rep max back squat, you've actually trained your diaphragm to become very stiff rather than flexible. So when you try to make it, when you try to bend it in certain ways of taking that stiffness and now trying to make it into an aerobic respiratory muscle, such as running a marathon, it doesn't have the motor plan. It's almost like, it's almost like I took your right hand away. If that's the, the hand that you like to write with. And I told you to just exclusively now write an entire book with your left hand. Like your brain kind of goes offline. Like, wait, what's going on here? I'm not used to this. And then there's a lot of, I guess, like muscle confusion. Fascinating. Fascinating. So all these meatheads in the gym that don't like to run, they, they actually have a legit excuse for why it's painful. They do. They really do. And it's so funny. My, my favorite examples was um, a volleyball player that I, I treated. He has always been a rock star volleyball player. Volleyball players are more of that type two athlete. They need to be able to jump high. They're fast twitch muscles. So they're used to locking down their diaphragm for intra-abdominal pressure or what we call like core stability, right? And so she comes to me after in the fall, after summer off from college, and uh, she's got all this knee pain. She's got back pain. She can't figure it out. Turns out her sister signed up for a half marathon. It was something that her and her sister wanted to do together over the summer. And so she went from being a type two to a type, type one athlete she didn't have the flexibility of her diaphragm. But interestingly enough, like the body's so cool, her diaphragm kind of eventually caught up and said, oh, hey, we're a runner now. So like I can move a little bit more. I don't have to brace all the time. But she also found that when she went back to volleyball conditioning in the fall, she lost seven inches off her vertical jump. Wow. Yes. So it just goes to show you how much the diaphragm, like how you train it, really is reflective of what you're trying to do with it, how it's trying to carry over into your lifestyle. And the discrepancy with injury is that when those two don't match, you're asking for chronic pain, you're asking for these, these weird symptoms that happen and, and kind of don't go away. And it gets really frustrating, but it could all, always, at least in my instance, right, my specialty is we link it back to how are you breathing and what are you trying to do? So Dr. Nora, I have to ask, I mean, for the, for Joe Garage Gym, right? He's not a sports specific athlete, but maybe his friends have him doing some CrossFit or street parking or something like that. Like what's Joe Garage Gym to do when we know that it's going to be this, this hopper of, of movement, meaning he could be running one day and then pressing a barbell the next, like what should someone like like that do to train their diaphragm? Can you train your diaphragm for versatility like that? 
Absolutely. And that is my favorite part of working with athletes, especially CrossFitters. You can say all day, like, well, if you're primarily a strength athlete, then just stick to that and don't do aerobics. Or if you're an aerobic athlete, just stick to that and don't do too much of the strength, right? Whereas like CrossFitters are a really great example of where they try to meet in the middle. And so the demand of, of, of knowing this knowledge is there. And that's what I love to supply people with. So you can train it versatility wise. Where do you even start with that is, well, let's find out what your primary breathing pattern is already. So if you, I I have people just kind of lie on their back, they take a few simple breaths and then they take a deep breath and I have them doing it in standing and the same thing. So if you see that when you go to take a deep breath and your chest rises, guess what? You're probably a chest breather. So it's good knowledge to take into, okay, if I'm a chest breather, that probably means I'm really good at either lifting or these people tend to usually tend to have a tendency to want to just lift because that's what their body is kind of built for. The great thing is, is if you want to be an all-star lifter, what I like to do is find out what kind of breather you are to begin with. If you are a chest breather, probably means you need a lot more diaphragm work. So there are simple positions or simple exercises that you can do just throughout the day to actually engage your diaphragm and just kind of give it that motor plan, right? So if it's the same thing as going back to that writing with a left hand example, over time, it gets better, right? The more repetition you do it, the easier it gets and and the better you're able to kind of recruit those muscles for that accuracy. Same thing with the diaphragm is if you can be mindful and then based on the exercises that I usually have people do, you can learn how to engage it and then you can learn how to call on it when you need it, like in a CrossFit workout. And then conversely, the same thing. So if your your CrossFit workout is going to be a 5K one day and then maybe a heavy lift the next day, okay, well, I know for running, I need my diaphragm to be really flexible and I need it to actually be the primary respirator for this activity. Whereas you go into the strength day, you can say, okay, I know how to lock down and brace with my diaphragm and I'm going to use that for the strength workout. So it's really cool based on the exercises, based on the activities you're trying to do, you can train it to be both. It's fascinating to me. I mean, it's, it's taking the diaphragm though, and that's something that we don't think of in our training regimen. We will think about ankle mobility. We will think about all of these small things. We don't think about our diaphragm. You guys might be familiar with Ryan Hall, who is an Olympic marathoner. And since his retirement, he's gotten really into powerlifting. And you guys, he's putting up some insanely solid numbers as a lifter. And it's got the running community like in awe because this is a guy who was running two hour marathons. He holds the American record for a half marathon, yet he's also deadlifting two and a half times his body weight. It's insane. It it really just goes to show that um, in, in that short amount of time that he probably converted over, if you have the proper tools and what your body needs to do, especially in maintaining core stability with your diaphragm, with your breathing pattern, you can convert relatively easy over into any sport that you want to do. So, okay, we're not, maybe we're not Ryan Hall. (laughs) What is like, let's, let's take it back to Joe Garage Gym or Jane Garage Gym. What do you think they, what can we be doing to train our diaphragm or get some more education about this? I know you said first and foremost, get that baseline. Yes. So get the baseline on how you're, on how you're breathing just in general. If you have, if you have more, if you're like, actually, I'm kind of like a yogi by trade. So I'm really good at engaging my diaphragm. 
now it's more of a, of a matter of how to maintain that core stability, how, how to maintain that core pressure. So you, I actually like to tell people who can already engage their diaphragm or might be diaphragm primary breathers, how to actually work with your obliques and your six pack abs, your rectus abdominis, actually to train those muscles, spend a lot of emphasis training those muscles and practice both engaging those muscles with bracing in your diaphragm. If you want to go over to be kind of like more of a strength athlete, or you might be doing more lifting that day. So the, for, I I usually find that runners or aerobic athletes, it's usually easier to get them to kind of go over to maybe a, a more strength athlete because they're so good at, at recruiting that diaphragm where I, where I find patients that struggle are, let's say you're a runner by trade, but you keep getting knocked out with chronic injuries because you really don't know how to engage your diaphragm where people, they lock down their diaphragm, either they're, te- they're tense or they're stressed. They lock down their diaphragm or they kind of suck in their gut all day for like aesthetic reasons. Right. And so they kind of learn to become a chest breather just by, by over time and with repetition. Uh, now we have like, let's say like Joe garage gym, right. He wants to be a runner, but aesthetically people are so used to sucking in their gut. And what they do when they do that is they kind of lock their diaphragm. They kind of make it immobile and inflexible. And so now they try to become a runner on with their chest. And I, I've seen people actually use their accessory muscles of their chest and they've actually kind of pulled their ribs out of place from doing this. So that's why it's so important to really know how to engage your diaphragm and even just figure it out. Right. So when I'm trying to tell them like, they hear all the time, belly, breathe, belly, breathe, belly, breathe to where they don't even register what it means anymore. And when you actually try to get them to breathe through their diaphragm, you see the wheels turning in their eyes. Like, why is this so hard? Why can't I get down there? Like my breath doesn't feel satiating. Like it, I cannot get a full breath anymore. And so the best way I like to start to tell people how to actually find out what your diaphragm feels like when you're breathing is I'll actually have them on the floor um, in the living room. The perfect setup is on your back and you scoot your butt up all the way to a couch and you put your legs on top of it so that your, your hips and your knees are at 90 degrees and you're on a nice supporting surface, like a harder surface, like the floor. So that even the, the harder surface registers your spine as giving it input for stability. So the muscles can truly relax and not try to take over. And then you can have a pillow under your head for, for comfort as you need it. And I'll just have people breathe into their belly like that. That's like the most optimal position where you're not fighting gravity. Your other core muscles are not trying to take over and your diaphragm can really just move up and down, um, like it should. And so when I have people do that, they're like, Oh my, this is what it feels like. I'm like, isn't that crazy? Right. And so you can spend just a, you know, a few minutes a day. If you want to talk about just learning how to engage your diaphragm, let's say you're primarily, primarily a lifter. You want to go for a run that day or you're a, a runner who is a chest breather and you're trying to work on being a more diaphragmatic breather to support your, your sport, I would say spend 10 minutes in that position before your run or your activity, your aerobic activity. And then after the aerobic activity, get back into that position and spend another 10 minutes and just focus solely on activating that diaphragm. You're really dialing in more of like your parasympathetic system. So your rest and digest. So if you have, if you're a runner who struggles with, you're at a certain mileage and then you really have to go to the bathroom, it's linked to your diaphragm. So 
that's when the diaphragm starts getting really fatigued. So even just working in that position, just building up that motor plan of the diaphragm, building up the, the strength and the, and the recruitment, the ability to recruit that diaphragm makes a huge difference into, in that scenario. It also is, like I said, it, it kind of hacks into your autonomic nervous system. So it becomes more parasympathetic. People will really find that it's a relaxing position. They feel more calm. The tension in their shoulders relax so that when they're running, they can actually drop their shoulders like you're supposed to, right? And then after a workout, I don't care if you're a runner or a weightlifter or CrossFit or whatever sport you are, I always get people into this position right away after a workout because it enhances the recovery, it brings down the heart rate, it brings down the stress on the system. And then if you can hack into your parasympathetic system right after a workout, your recovery, right? And we talk about recovery like like stretching, it's more of like your physiology recovers faster so that you can continue to go hard throughout the week or that when you do take a rest day, you really feel rested. At this point, I do want to remind people that all of your details, Dr. Nora, are in the show notes. So guys, you're going to click detail or swipe up, depends on the player you're in. You can also find Dr. Nora on Instagram at physio underscore links. I'm going to put all her stuff there though. So you have to go deep and let's get some diaphragm PRs. Yes, we've got to educate the masses on how important this muscle is. Even if you are a weekend warrior or an athlete, or you're just a general health and wellness person, the more education that we have about this whole system is just so empowering. It carries over into every area of your life. I can't tell you enough about it. Love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Nora. Oh, thank you for having me. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Nora. You guys, you have to check out PhysioLinks both online as well as on Instagram. Click details or swipe up in the player that you're in to find out more about Dr. Nora. Hey, fun fact, the name of her practice, PhysioLinks, stems from the idea that the body is a multi-system unit. She takes into consideration every system to find the missing link for better mobility and function. So as this conversation would suggest, most of her work involves a deeper look into the cardiopulmonary system and its role in everyday life and sport. It's awesome. Thank you again, Nora, for bringing your expertise to the show. And until I get into your earpiece again, remember, for while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is a value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That's from 1 Timothy 4.8. This has been the Run Lift Mom Podcast. Hey there, Run Lift Mom listeners. Have you heard of CrowdCow? CrowdCow is a delivery service that offers beef, pork, chicken, and seafood without added hormones or unnecessary antibiotics. They source meat ethically from trusted farmers, and you guys, it saves you money. You can go to runliftmompod.com slash cow, runliftmompod.com slash cow to learn how a crowd cow box fed my family of six for an entire week. If you're looking for a health and cost-conscious way to feed a large family, friends, this is it.